Morning. Just talk among yourself for a bit while I decide what I'm going to preach on this morning. No, as most of you know, we've been going over the last, it's October, must be 10 months. We've been talking about a minor chapter in the Bible which talks about the 10 suggestions. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> we've been going through the 10 commandments and we've been doing it a bit differently. We've been going through them backwards. Not because we think that God put them in the wrong order, but because sometimes it's really good to finish on the most important ones. And we've started off with the first few we noticed talked about our relationships with one another and how we should conduct, conduct ourselves when dealing with other people. Things like, you know, don't kill them. That, that was a particularly important one. Don't steal their stuff. Um, be really, really good to your mum and dad. Um, don't get jealous about what other people have. All, all of these are, are related to how we deal with one another. And then we came across ones that seem to deal rather more with someone else. God. And so as these are the first ones, you sort of think that perhaps God is actually more important than other people. You're arrogant, don't you think? But if we're going to give our lives to a, a Lord and Saviour, if we're going to follow Almighty God, then we need to actually realise who He is, what He stands for, what He would have us do. And so we talked uh, last month about keeping a day apart, keeping ourselves holy on a Sabbath day. And I'm going to introduce the next commandment this morning, which is the second commandment, which is fairly long. So I'll read it to you. From Exodus chapter 20 and verse 6, it says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. It's clear. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Ooh, serious. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Yay! Okay, just me. So, so what can we take from this commandment? Well, any good message has points. And so the four points we can take from these commandments, and just as a spoiler, don't write them down. Um, the first thing it, it says, if, if I read it correctly, is do not make an idol or an image of anything. So don't make any idols, Australian or otherwise. <laughs> Point number two, do not worship that idol. Number three, God considers idol worship a sin and will punish your descendants. Think about that. Point number four, worshipping God will really bless your descendants. Four really nice points for a sermon. But, and you knew there was going to be a but, if we go back to the original Hebrew, we discover that it's not quite how I read it. 
the command is actually, do not make any idol for the purpose of bowing down. So it's actually the intent that is the sin here, not the idol itself. It's to give idolatrous worship. And it's a good job, because I don't know how well you've read your Bible, but Moses himself was instrumental in creating several idols. There were cherubim and seraphim on top of the Ark of the Covenant. There were um, uh, oxen that he, he did uh, graven images of, uh, and serpents, all sorts of things that he actually used as idols. And yet he wasn't condemned for it at all. So it's not the idol itself that's sinful. The same thing is actually true today. The things sometimes that we get, we bring to a position of idolising are not in themselves harmful. There is nothing harmful about Australian Idol. Except, no, that's not good. <laughs> in theory. So the first two points are really, okay, so that's one point. Don't make idols that you intend to worship. But we can at least take comfort in the fact that those non-believers are going to be in real trouble and their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids are going to suffer because they've been naughty. But we, as Christians, can take comfort that because we're lovers of God and we always obey God, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, frog in my throat. Um, that our, our descendants are going to lead a really, really happy life. They're going to be blessed for a thousand generations. That's great, 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 really, really great grandchildren. Just because you obey God and are totally faithful, they're going to they're going to be really blessed. More than, a greater time than you can even see. Uh, unfortunately, there's a problem with that too. His name's Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I, and I, I understand that Jesus' death and resurrection took away the sins of the world. And I would have sort of thought that curses would probably be included in that. And I happen to know that because Jesus came, we are able to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, not only are we able to, Every single one of us must make that decision personally to have that relationship. So you can't, you can't stand in for your descendants, I'm sorry. You can't say my great-great-great-grandkids are going to believe in Jesus Christ because I did. There's going to come a day when they, as individuals, are going to have to make that decision for themselves. So, that about wraps it up. <laughs> if we don't make a, an idol for the purpose of worshipping it, worshipping it, then we're pretty much home free. And face it, none of us are that likely to go out and carve one. Most of us lack the skills for a start. And so we don't, we don't worship idols. So, who's ready for coffee? <laughs> Glad we got that second one out of the way, I thought that was going to be tricky. Coffee, an idol? <laughs> so, my question to you this morning is, does this commandment actually have any New Testament relevance? Can you find it in the New Testament? Well, actually not as written in the Old Testament. But our friend James. 
James was never one to pull his punches, never one with the flowery words. He always went to the heart of the matter. And he was pretty strong. Turn with me to James chapter 4 and verse 4. He starts off very gently. You adulterers! Hello, friends. Don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. He's not content with insulting you the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed inside of us is filled with envy? I bet you're hoping I'll tell you. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour. I wonder if James was a very sociable person. <laughs> but uh, can you see echoes of that commandment? I mean, why does he use the term adulterers? Is he talking here about sexual sin? Have we gone completely off the page and we're back on to, what commandment was that one? Seven or? Seven. Do not commit adultery. So we, we've been through that. No, he's actually painting a picture here of how God feels when we put the world and worldly things before him. We have a covenant relationship with God which is very much like a marriage. So let me give you an example here using my marriage. See, I'm married to Vicky. We have a covenant relationship. Now, can you imagine? See, I have a Facebook page, and Vicky doesn't. So she's, her picture's with me on our Facebook page. If you look at our profile picture, it's her and me. And can you imagine? One day, Vicky is browsing through Facebook, and she looks at my home page and discovers photoshopped into our profile picture is another woman. <laughs> and she thinks, oh well, that's okay, there's somebody else important in his life, but that's fine. Oh, oh, I, won't even, I won't even mention it. Somehow I don't think that would happen. I would find my iPad here. And a small, quiet voice would say, please explain. <laughs> and my explanation, of course, could be quite reasonable. Oh, that's just her. She's just somebody I met who's really been helpful and, and has played a, a, a good part in my life. She's, she's tech savvy. So I can talk about things with her that I can't actually talk about with you because you can't help me in that area so and we've got really close and uh yeah she's just somebody that 
I get on really well with and uh, share my innermost thoughts and desires with and I just thought I'd put her on, show, show my appreciation. Perfectly reasonable explanation. Except the thing is, it's not whether I would get a black eye, it's when and how many. <laughs> because in doing that, I have actually broken a covenant relationship. That's how God feels about idols. He says, you adulterers, you have gone and broken a covenant by putting other things in your life, not even before me, but ne next to me. So that's why he uses that term. Exodus 25 tells us that God is a jealous God. In James 4 verse 5, it, five, it confirms, it says, the spirit that God has placed in us is one of envy. In other words, it's a jealous spirit. The Holy Spirit is jealous. You might think, well, that's not very nice. Jealousy is not a good thing. When it comes to God, it is. God is a jealous God because he places your value above anything else. And he has brought you to him and he is jealous that that relationship bring life to you. And if you compromise that, the only if you've got... A life with Jesus Christ, and that's 100%. Anything else you add can only take away, because there's no such thing as 101%, no matter how much we like to bandy it about. You know, I like to give 110%. You know, how, you know how they do that thing about, they add up words to find out what percentage they come to? And sort of, uh, commitment comes to 100 or something but there's one word that starts with bull and ends in T that comes to 110. <laughs> and generally, that's the only word that does. So if somebody says they're going to give 110%, <coughs> only ask for 100. So God actually demands a loyalty from us in our covenant relationship with him that is in very much like a marriage covenant. So... We can see that drawing closer to God with humility, and I can tell you in a marriage, drawing closer with humility is always a good thing. <laughs> Crawling is good, guys. <laughs> Do not be afraid to get on your knees. Do not be afraid to say that your wife is smarter than you are, better looking than you are, more capable than you are, mainly A, because she is, and B, because it's just good to say, because it makes her feel good. Um, if I'd drawn another blonde on my Facebook page, I'd have been in even more trouble. But. So we can, and we can see so that drawing closer to God with humility, God gives us honour. You know, I, I, I cringe sometimes when I see married couples in public. And when you get them apart, all they do is bitch about the other one. Now whether or not Vicky and I have had an argument that morning, and I'm a bit snooty with her. She told me that my shoes didn't match. She was probably right, but I don't like being told. If somebody came to me and said, is that your wife over there? She's a gorgeous woman. I wouldn't say, well, she may look gorgeous, but let me tell you, don't talk to her about shoes. Because she really laid into me this morning and she has a mean streak a mile wide. 
I would not do that. I would say, you better believe it and you keep your hands off. <laughs> she is the most gorgeous creature on this planet. And she's clever, witty, and she uses the blonde hair to fool a lot of people. <laughs> so, when we come closer to God in humility, He honours us. But if we get closer, further away from God, and we start to worship the world, it is cause for great tears and grief. Because we are actually taking away from our life. Jesus Christ has given us 100% life. If we go off and worship worldly things, all we do is drain that life. You can never add to what Jesus has given you. There is no 110%. All we can do is take if we get away from God. So, you're saying, well, I thought we'd cleared up the fact that none of us were worshipping idols. So what is an idol? That's a bit complicated. And as you know, I'm a very simple person. So sometimes it's a bit subtle too, and as some of you know, I'm not subtle either. So let me express it this way. A Christian could make the following statements about God. And I think we have some of those statements. Statements. Yes. And so the, these would be a, a true expression of Christian faith. God gives purpose, meaning and fulfillment to my life. God governs the way that I act. God is the focal point around which my existence hangs. God is often in my thoughts and I get enthusiastic about God. Thoughts of God comfort me when I'm down. I read about God. I talk about God. I make friends with those who are also committed to God. And I desire more of God. It sounds like a good Christian set of principles to live by, doesn't it? So an idol is where something, anything, takes the place of God in this central position of our life. Here's a few examples. I could say, I could say, my career gives purpose, meaning and fulfillment to my life. Money governs the way that I act. Sport is the focal point around which my existence hangs. Possessions are often in my thoughts and I get enthusiastic about possessions. Thoughts of holidays comfort me when I'm down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I read about technology, I talk about technology, I make friends with those who are also committed to technology. And I desire more sex. Now, what do you think... I didn't put those in any particular order. <laughs> but you don't have to have all of those. Just pick one. It may just be your career. You desire more from your career. You read about your career, the thoughts of your career. It could all be sport. My sport gives purpose, meaning and fulfillment to my life. I desire to play more sport. Sport is the focal point. It, we just need to look at what things in our life are replacing God. Now, hear me clearly. It doesn't mean that you can't have those interests. It doesn't mean that thoughts of holidays shouldn't comfort you when you're down. Because if you're working hard and you get down, the, the idea of taking time off, to me, seems reasonable. Holiday in the Greek islands, when you've been slaving away for six months at a job you hate, the pay you, you deserve twice the amount, 
Uh, you probably can't afford to go to the Greek, <laughs> Greek islands, but, <laughs> but you would if you could, and it would be comforting. That, that's fine. But if it replaces God as the center of your life, then you have an idol that you are worshipping instead of God. Think about it. Is there anything in your life that could qualify? Because idols are sneaky. Idols are subtle. You see, an idol is what people live for. An idol is what fills your thoughts when you lie awake at night. Next time you have a sleepless night, ask yourself, what am I thinking about? When your mind is in neutral, this only applies to guys, what do you think about when your mind is in neutral? It's not God, it's an idol. Idols are what we buy magazines about. Idols are what we read websites on and idols are what we spend our time, money and energy on. Idols are the centre of gravity of our lives. a lot of cheering (laughs) idolatry occurs when we hold any value idea or activity higher than God and if we're honest we all worship idols to some degree often unwittingly because idolatry has become an accepted norm in our consumer oriented society and our culture and really this morning because I'm only introducing the topic this morning Next week, we're going to, you thought James was tough. We're going to delve into some things. But the question I have for you this morning is, are you willing this week to think about what might be an idol in your life? What things are you doing that are actually anti-God? What things in the world do you actually place importance on above God? And they can, be, they can be really good things. Children can be idols. It's not just careers. Your job can involve idolatry. In fact, once you've discovered and you've been honest with yourself about what your idols are, there's only one more question you need to ask yourself. Are you willing to stop? Yeah, sometimes it's really comfortable. It's really nice. Could you give up? Could I give up preaching off an iPad? Could I just give it away and use paper? What's paper, you ask? <laughs> Do we need to be so connected that we need to carry a phone around with us everywhere? Or are you sitting there listening to me texting? I might not be able to see you, but God can. (laughs) So, I'd actually, just before I close, like to pray for people this morning. Because I know that even though we acknowledge idolatry, even though we see its dangers, sometimes it's very hard to fight. And so, I just quickly, before we close... I just want you to stand in your seat. If you have a job or a career 
or a social or work situation in which the people, the institution and the ideals around you actively encourage idolatry. For instance, if you work in the music industry or the television industry, possibly film, advertising, if you work in a workplace that has worldly um, commitments because of either law or um, legislation that actually encourages people in your workplace to either discount God or to never be able to mention Him or that it encourages behavior that is morally against what God would believe, then I believe you, you, need, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to stand against those things. These are an attack on your life, which if you try and face them on your own, is a burden that God doesn't want you to have. So I want everyone else just to reach out your hands to these guys. these brothers and sisters in Christ up to you. I thank you God that every day as they go out into their world where they face opposition to their faith that you do not abandon them there. That your Holy Spirit is with them always giving them wisdom bringing protection into their lives giving them the words to speak to counteract what the world is trying to put into their minds, into their hearts and into their spirits. I thank you God that these people go out with the armour of your word surrounding them. Thank you God that nothing formed on this earth or under this earth can ever prosper against the faith of people who hold your name up high above everything else. So I pray protection right now of these people. I thank you that you bless them. And I thank you that they are not just surviving in their workplace. They are not surviving in the environment you have placed them. That they are a light to the world. That they are actually winning this battle, not just surviving it. That they are conquerors in their workplaces schools and their businesses and so I ask that you bless them right now in Jesus name Amen it's not easy when you walk into a world where people naturally assume that you're as morally corrupt as they are and that's what you want for your life it's sometimes very hard to be a lone voice God first, you're not a lone voice. You might be the only one they hear that's got the force of heaven behind it. Before I finish up, just one more request. If we're going to consider that God has a name that is above anything that we can idolize on this earth, that he is the most important 
figure in our life. We actually have to do something to tell God that. It's no good saying, well, I don't believe in idols. I don't believe in Vishnu or Buddha or Krishna or Allah. It's not a question of who you're not worshipping. It's a question of who you are worshipping. God says to worship me, you must first invite me into your life. So can I get everybody to just close their heads? Close their heads? (laughs) Bow their eyes and close their heads. Or even close their eyes and bow their heads. Whichever works for you. Anybody who's managed to close their head, come and I'll pray for you afterwards. But while nobody's looking around, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If, If you're here and you have never taken that step to say, okay, I'm going to be somebody who worships God and God alone. And I want to invite Him into my world so that I can begin that worship. If that's you here this morning, while nobody's looking around, I want you to put your hand up so that I can see you. And we are going to pray a prayer together to invite God into your life. Is there anybody here who wants to do that? Anybody here who's never invited Jesus into their lives wants to begin that walk? right now you may be here and you may have done that before but you've lived a life where you've done what it says in in James you've actually walked away and embraced worldly things over your relationship with God see God is a God not only of the second chance but every chance he can give you and if that's you this morning and you want to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ we can pray that same prayer together. If that's you, put your hand up right now so I can see that hand. We'll pray a prayer to invite Jesus back into your life. Is there anyone at all? You may open your eyes. That is awesome news. I'm taking it on faith that everybody's saved here this morning. Hey, next week might not be so serious but it might I'm not promising anything but let me tell you you'll get more out of this if you go home this week and you actually start thinking what is it in my life that I've put above my worship of God what is the first thing I do in the morning what's the thing I wake up looking forward to what are the things that take me away from church probably not a suitable question for people here because you're in church but you know if you think being in church once a month is enough then I'm sorry there's an idol happening the other three Sundays if that's a four Sunday month you know what I meant so think about it this week come prepared next week because this is not something we do on our own this is something we need God's help with and this is a place where God's spirit enables us to break bondages and change and change our life for the better thanks mate let's thank pastor chris this morning